Welcome to the latest in our Aberdeen Closed End Fund podcast series, where we catch up with our portfolio managers to gain some perspective on these complex market conditions. I'm Dan Buchanan with Aberdeen, and today we are focusing on Australian equity markets with the manager of the Aberdeen Australia Equity Fund, ticker IAF, Camille Simeon. Good morning, Camille, or good evening. <laughs> good morning, Dan. We have multiple time zones today. Thank you for joining us from Sydney. Camille, it would be good to start with an economic update on Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting times uh, for everyone globally, really. But in Australia, the data is probably no different to what we're seeing in other developed market peers. Um, so the economy is still showing resilience, although there are some cracks starting to form. Um, but overall, the data is proving um, fairly robust. So where we are at at the moment is unemployment. Um, so that remains at 50-year lows at 3.5%. So that labour market is still very tight, although we're still to see wages growth fairly contained. We are seeing some um, uptick in that, but overall it's contained compared to other um, developed market peers, and that's just because of the structure of our labour market where a lot of it is under enterprise bargain agreement. So it takes some time for, for inflation to feed through into wages. But that being said, it is a concern that wages are um, seeing some upswing. Um, in terms of business conditions, they remain well above average. So businesses is doing fairly well. Um, activity is very strong, but it's the confidence piece that is low. Um, so confidence about the outlook, and we can probably talk a little bit about that a bit later in the in the podcast. Um, so there is this economic resilience and the RBA has been raising rates at, you know, a very fairly fast clip as well. Um, but that being said, we are below the US and New Zealand. So the RBA raised rates by 25 basis points at their last meeting to 3.6%. Uh, and they did say that more would be required, but there was a dovish tilt to it with a door opened for a pause in heights. And obviously what's happened with, um, you know, with the global banking uh, environment and, and financial instability has now, you know, really turned market in terms of how they're thinking about the RBA um, in terms of interest rate hiking cycle from here. So where we were expecting rates to continue to, to go higher and certainly there is no potential for one more rate hike, um, the market is now pricing in cuts through to the end of the year because of that financial instability. But the, the concern here is that inflation is still elevated. So inflation um, is, you know, it's around 7%. Um, so that is that is high and it is becoming stickier um, as it has now moved into services. So there is that tension there between what does the RBA do in terms of that, um, you know, financial instability um, and, you know, the housing market is, is starting to show cracks. Uh, the consumer is, you know, still spending at a good clip. Um, but that inflation does remain higher. So like other markets, it is really data dependent from here where the central bank goes in terms of raising rates further. But overall, the overall picture is one of resilience, but there are cracks starting to form. And Camille, with a backdrop of some of the global banks in crises, I'm just curious what the mood is of management of the Australian companies that you're speaking with today. Yes, so we actually just went through our last uh, our reporting season actually in February. So we do have fresh data and fresh um, narratives coming from uh, management, although that being said, it was at the early stage of the um, 
financial um, instability being seen. So, you know, this current macro is not really reflected in in the in the um, data or the narrative because that came out, um, you know, March and February is when we were talking to our management teams. Um, but that being said, you know, reporting season was on the disappointing side with higher misses versus earnings beats. Um, and we did see aggregate earnings growth being pulled back. So consensus earnings is being downgraded. And that was really on the cost side. So it speaks to inflation where it remains a headwind. But again, it's the changing shape of that. So where it was, you know, supply chains and commodities, it's now shifted into operating costs. And so what we've seen is margins have disappointed and that's really been the key driver of this pullback in earnings growth expectations. Um, in terms of the narrative, uh, it was really that the consumer remains in okay shape despite these cost of living pressures. Um, and we think that's largely because of this large savings buffer that's been built up over COVID. It is normalising, but there is still a large um, savings buffer that they can work their way through. Um, but we are seeing management teams expecting and starting to see consumers starting to pull back. So I was having a conversation yesterday with a supermarket chain who was saying the value-conscious buyers, they are starting to see them start to hunt out more, even more value in their in their weekly shop. Um, so that, that's an interesting um, narrative that, you know, it is getting it is getting more difficult and then you layer over what's happening recently and um, I think management teams will certainly be feeling uh, a little bit more cautious at this point in time. And Camille, within the portfolio for IAF, are there any uh, resilient uh, companies that you're speaking with? Are there any Are there any struggles out there with certain industries or sectors? for the developed market within the Australian equity market that you look at? So certainly consumer discretionary, they're finding it difficult um, because that consumer is just becoming, you know, they're focusing on um, what they essentially need and they're going for value. And so, you know, parts of the consumer discretionary market are, are finding it tougher. Um, commodity prices, you know, they have pulled back and they have been volatile. Um, and then you've got rising costs on that side. Um, but that being said, um, you know, you do have China reopening there, so that certainly provides a, an offset um, for the commodity-focused um, companies. You know, Australia is quite fortunate because we do have a lot of companies that are exposed to structural growth trends, so we do have some very high-quality healthcare companies. And so, you know, they're all facing the same pressures in terms of um, costs, um, but they do have some element of, um, of, of pricing power or some element of structural demand coming through. So they are, you know, relatively more defensive than other parts of the market. And Camille, let me switch gears for a moment. IAF, or the Australian Equity Fund, is a closed-end fund vehicle. And I'm just curious, from a portfolio manager's perspective, how does the closed-end fund structure itself help you to effectively manage an equity portfolio like Australia? Yeah, so it really is a, a great little vehicle to manage a, a fund in because you aren't exposed to those daily cash flow moves in terms of, um, you know, cash coming into or out of the portfolio. So you can really set your portfolio um, thinking about where you're seeing, you know, um, you know risk and return um, and having to be less mindful of, 
um, you know, having to make redemptions or allocate funding when the timing might potentially not be, you know, right because of those um, daily cash flow moves. So um, we do, you know, manage for a fairly low amount of cash, um, but overall, you know, it's a it's a great vehicle. It's an ideal vehicle for a, for a portfolio manager to manage a fund. Not to mention the the potential use for leverage, which distinguishes a closed end fund from other forty act structures. Uh, does the Australian Equity Fund uh, utilize leverage? Correct. Yes, Dan. Thanks for for pulling that out. Actually, we do use leverage in the fund, um, and that can certainly add to performance um, at times as well. And finally, Camille, what would you say to clients to give them comfort uh, today that they should invest in Australian equities? So, uh, yeah, so why Australia? Um, so Australia, you know, Australia will be exposed to similar drivers of markets, um, you know, to develop markets, given we have had that record-breaking interest rate cycle and, and concerns about global financial instability. So we do expect equity volatility to persist, but there are really... There are probably three key reasons to be more comfortable for investing in Australian equities, and that's our banking sector, firstly. So we do have a very well-regulated and capitalised banking sector. They have strong capital positions, solid liquidity levels and a diversified funding mix. Um, they also have very different off-balance sheet compared to offshore peers. Um, so if, given current conditions, you know, funding will be more expensive and impact margins, but we are not fundamentally concerned with the bank's capital positions or book values. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, the other, the other um, point for why Australia is that, you know, we are leveraged to China um, and that provides some defence to rest of world economic deterioration because China is our largest trading partner um, and they are actually targeting GDP growth of, you know, 5% this year and that's going to require an increase in activity. And Australia, you know, we are rich in commodities. They are sold to China. Uh, you know, we have a lot of iron ore, uh, LNG, lithium, agricultural products. Um, and so we do have stocks on the market that are directly leveraged to that, so miners um, or energy companies. But there's also the multiplier effect for companies in Australia leveraged to these supply chains. So, you know, China does provide some um, defence if, you know, the rest of the world is um, seeing softness um, given you know, just what the Chinese government is targeting in terms of growth this year. Um, and then finally, it goes back to that point that I was making a little bit earlier, Dan, just in that, you know, Australia is home to companies that have very strong market positions leveraged to, you know, global structural growth. Um, you know, there's healthcare names that I mentioned, but we've also got, you know, in technology, we've got Zero, which is a, um, a leading small business software provider, we've got logistics group, Goodman Group, and also some very strong defensive domestics like our incumbent telco, Telstra or supermarket chain Woolworths. Um, so I'd really point to our banking system, China, and then just also the the makeup of the Australian market with some very strong um, names here. And then finally, you know, we do have a strong dividend yield. So we do have, you know, one of the leading dividend yields globally, which is 4.4%. So that's a bit of a bonus for why Australia, Dan? Great. Thank you, Camille. Very comprehensive. I want to thank you very much for your time today, and thank you for our listeners for tuning in. You can find out more about the Australian Equity Fund at www.abrdniaf.com. I'm Dan Buchanan with Aberdeen. Do look out for future episodes.
This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.